Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. say a new thing. I want you to put your hand over your heart and say, Pastor, preach the word to me today. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, preach the word to us today. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Pastor, preach the word to us today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. I want to be improved by the Word of God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you real, real good. There was a minister who wrote in a church newsletter one day that he was setting his goals for the new year, and one of his goals was to clean up his desk. Another of his goals was to find last year's goals. They were somewhere on his desk. Some of you probably keep desks like that. Jerry Seinfeld, I love his, I love his comic uh, style. He said, life is truly a ride. Do you agree with that? It's a ride. We're all strapped in, he said, and no one can stop it. He said, as you make each passage from youth to adulthood to maturity, sometimes you put your arms up in the air and you scream. Sometimes you just hang on to that bar in front of you. But the ride is the thing. I think that most of us, all we can hope for at the end of life is that your hair is messed up that you're out of breath, and for God's sake, that you didn't throw up. That's what life's about. One comedian said, I used to have a handle on life, but it broke. She said, don't take life too seriously. You won't get out alive anyhow. (laughs) We're all born naked, wet, and hungry. Then things get worse. She said, life is a rash. And then there's death, and that's when the itching stops. Calvin looked at Hobbes one day in the little Calvin and Hobbes comic strip, and Calvin was talking about the new year, and he said, I'm getting disillusioned with these new years. They don't seem very new at all. He said, each new year is just like the old year. Here's another year has gone by, and everything's still the same. There's still the same pollution, the same war, the same stupidity, (laughs) the same greed. Things haven't changed. I say, what kind of future is this? I thought things were supposed to improve. And Hobbes looks at Calvin and replies with his usual keen insight. He said, the problem with the future, Calvin, is that it keeps turning into the present. (laughs) The new year is traditionally, folks, a time for reflection. And I know many of you have. How many of you have, how many of you write your resolutions down the first year? Do you write something down? Do you write some spiritual things, some physical things? All right, nobody good. (laughs) But we got a spiritual move of God here today. (laughs) How many of you look back the first of the year and you uh, look back at your successes and your failures? You do that? Anybody do that? All right. You gain satisfaction over your successes and you experience some grief and guilt over your failures. And we've all had failures and we know that. We've all had successes. But each time we face a new year, we face a new beginning. We have hopes that things will be different, hopefully better. But as Hobbes says, the future sometimes just keeps turning more and more into the present. Many of us in church seek new possibilities. We really do. 
We seek positive change. We seek new growth. We tire of having the same old, same old. Two men were talking about one of their colleagues one day, and one of them said, do you know he has 30 years' experience in his field? And his friend said, actually, he doesn't have 30 years' experience. He has one year of experience 30 times. (laughs) The future just keeps turning into the present for people again and again and again. How about looking at 2014 with a different look? How about going into 2014 with a smile on your face? Come on. It's a brand new year. How about going into 2014 with a clap in your hands? How about going into 2014 saying, I believe that God loves doing a new thing. You believe that? God loves doing a new thing. Put it up on the screen. Revelation 21 and 5 says, see, I'm making everything new. Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I am doing a new thing. It's important to know that there's times in our life when God just steps up and says, you tired of the old? You tired of it? I can do a new thing in your life. I can bring you to a new dimension. I can bring you to a new endeavor. I can bring you to a new level of living. God says I can do that. Because that's the excitement, folks, of knowing God. He loves doing new things. People many times are afraid of change. We long to be able to cling to the status quo. But someone said that status quo is Latin for the mess we're in. There's a lot of people in a mess because they're status quo. It's dangerous to stick to the status quo. Something happened in 1906 that dramatically changed the game of football. Before that year, football was just a game played with Uh, guys in leather helmets and plodding down the field and low-scoring games of running and kicking. And that's where we got the expression, three yards in a cloud of dust. Then there there was a strategy employed throughout football before right in 1906, and something revolutionary happened. The forward pass was legalized, and it made possible to gain 40 yards in one throw or even a touchdown from 80 yards out in one throw. And during the first season... Most all the teams stayed with the tried and true way of playing the game of three yards and a cloud of dust. But one team, however, took a different approach. Coaches in St. Louis University decided to switch the offense to the forward pass and allow their quarterback to throw the ball to a wide receiver or to a back out of the backfield. And they outscored their opponents that year 402 to 11. Next year, everybody was implementing the forward pass. (laughs) Why don't we be a trend-setting church here today? Why don't we allow a pastor to pass us some things in the Spirit today? Why don't we allow the Word of the Lord to come to us as a collective body and as a unique individual? Because everybody here is unique. We're all made in the image of God. But collectively, we're all something special in this house. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to do a new thing in our life this year. Amen? God is saying, I want to step up. I want to do something for you that you have never had done before. I want you to quit living in that certain level. I want to get you on another level. I want you to quit living in the level of self-pity, in the level of accusing and blaming others. I want you to step up and say, you know what? As for me and my house, 
I'm going to make the right choice. I'm going to serve the Lord. That person's not going to hinder me. That person's not going to stop me. I'm not going to get into a pity party. I want a new thing in my life. If you'll allow me today, I'll throw you some things. And if you'll catch them, we'll outscore the enemy today 402 to 11. Let's go forward in the name of the Lord. You know, what we need in life is not so much inspiration. We need transformation. We don't need so much resolution as we need revolution. We need to turn over a new leaf, but sometimes turn over a new leaf is hard. A lot of us are determined to drop old habits and begin new ones, and yet many of us have seen a resolution shattered the same day we made it. Have you ever done that? I have. I said, I'm going to diet this year, and I ate ice cream that day. I'm confessing. You got anything to confess? All right. We need a change in our lives that come from God. Every person needs something that will permanently affect their life situation. We need something that will truly satisfy our longings. We need something that will bring true and lasting change. What we need is for God to do a new thing within us, and that can happen. God loves doing a new thing. Clap your hands and say amen to that. So how does God do new things, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's how he does it. God loves giving people a new name. Everybody say, God loves giving people. Come on, help me out. A new name. He loves that. He really does. Biblically, new names symbolized new possibilities. Have you ever thought about Simon, Simon, the man Simon that became Peter? Have you ever thought about that? Um, the, the word Simon means reed. The word Cephas or Peter means rock. Here's what I'm telling you, folks. Almighty Jesus Christ, the mighty God in the flesh, Jesus Christ came to this earth. And he looked at Pete one day at Capernaum and he said, Who do men say that I the son of man am? And all the disciples said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're that prophet. He said, well, who do you say I am? And Pete raised his hand. He said, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he said, Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I declare unto you that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, not not on him, but on the revelation of who Jesus was. And what Jesus could do in your life. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So on that day he changed his name from Simon a reed to Peter a rock. And yet in the garden, many, many days later, perhaps even a year or two later, Peter slashes a man's ear off with his sword. He flees when danger is near at Jesus' crucifixion. And he denies the Lord with a curse at at the fire. And Jesus dared call him a rock. Because Jesus knew his real name and he knew his real nature. But there's something about Jesus when he decides to do something new. Hallelujah. He knew Pete had some uncertainties. He knew there were times he couldn't make up his mind. He knew he had emotional reactions that were completely unpredictable. And a rock was the last thing most people associated with Simon. But Jesus saw through those vacillating emotions. That was his weakness. He told him that his weakness could be his strength through the transforming power of God. And Jesus determined that he would use Simon's negatives, fiery emotions, impetuous actions to accomplish his purpose in the world. So before Pete ever had a change in his life, Jesus called him by a brand new name. Oh, somebody help me right now. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. 
Jesus doesn't see in you what you see in you. He doesn't call you what you are. He calls you what he wants you to become. And somebody in this house needs to get a hold of that this first Sunday of the year. You are special to him. You're awesome to him. He loves you with a love that is unbelievably awesome. Wow. Some of us are our worst critics. We really are. Man, can't get over ourselves. We're more than aware of our weakness and our imperfections more than, more than we are our strengths. We feel inadequate. We feel guilty all the time. We feel that much of what we do turns out wrong. We have had more than our share of failures. And Jesus longs to give us a new name. He wants to give you a new name. You know, there are people perhaps whom had a specific sin that has dealt a deadly blow in your life. And others have been affected by your failure and you're living in that shame. And I'm not, I'm not wanting to call things here today, but I, I think sometimes people realize that their drinking is out of control. I think people realize that they don't live in Colorado and drugs are not legal here. I think people realize that drugs can be a horrible downer in your life. And please don't think I'm pounding the pulpit here today. I'm just talking. And I believe that there's people that understand that immoral activity is not something that God is happy with and God's proud of. And because of our past, we think people expect us to fail. And to you, Jesus longs to give you a new name. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 62. He said, the nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. Read on. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hands, a royal diadem in the hands of your God. Isn't it awesome to know that when you think you are failing the most, if you'll look up to Jesus, he'll say, I'll give you a name that liveth. I'll give you something that'll get you out of that. I understand your down settings, but I see something in you. Because, see, I was a part of the creating factor. I was the word that became flesh. And I understand what you were created with. You're made in the image of God Almighty. And God doesn't make junk. And God doesn't make people that fail. God makes people that are successful in life. God wants to call you by a new name today. The Bible said in 1 John 3 and 20, if your heart condemns you, anybody's got a heart condemns them, don't say it, don't answer that. If your heart condemns you, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Wow. Pastor, my heart just been killing me. I've messed up. 2013 was more failure than success. 2013 was a down year for me. And I've messed up this last year. Why don't you leave your mess ups in the past and bring your victories with you? Because God can take care of those mess ups. I promise you. God, oh, somebody help me preach right now. I'm talking to somebody in this house. God can help you with those mess ups in your past. And God can give you a fresh start. God can give you a beautiful new beginning. He wants to call you by a new name. You're Cephas. You're a rock. You're not Simon. You're not a reed. And Simon had so many mess-ups after he was renamed. He had so much stuff on his plate. Every time he opened his mouth, 
he got in trouble. In fact, one time Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus called him Satan. Because he was saying, you don't need to go to Jerusalem or they're going to kill you there. And the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. Here's what I want to tell you. It does not matter what people call you and what people name you and what people say your failures are. There is a Jesus Christ today that wants to give you a brand new name in your life. He wants to give you a brand new name in your life. Amen. You may remember Servanus' story. Servanus was the great storyteller of Don Quixote. Servanus was thrown in a prison in Seville, Spain. And finding himself at the mercy of a band of cutthroats, he tries to divert them by telling them a story of Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha. And in the story, Don Quixote pictures himself as a chivalrous knight. He goes forth to right all the wrongs of the world. But he's a man who lives in a world of impossible dreams. Hence the song, The Impossible Dream. His armor is shabby. His horse is sagging. He rides for his fair lady whom he calls Dulcinea. That word means simply sweetness. But Dulcinea is far from a fair lady. She is a prostitute in a country tavern. She assures him that she is the most casual bride of the murderous scum of the earth. Her real name, she says, is Aldonza. And, he, and, and she resents Quixote's intrusion in her life and screams at him, insisting that she is no kind of lady. But Don Quixote persists. You are still my lady. He says he sees heaven when he sees her, to which she replies that all she can see is a dream covered with rusty tin. And Don Quixote's family tries to make him face reality, and they want him to see the world as it really is. And they try to shock him into reality, and they begin to succeed, and his health and his spirit begin to break. And he's at the point of giving up his impossible dream. But just then, Aldonza walks into the room, and she looks at him with grateful eyes and said, You looked at me one day. And you call me by another name. You call me Dulcinea. You call me sweetness. And I no longer want to be what I am. I no longer want to be who I am. I want to go by my new name. I want to be Dulcinea. Here's what I'm telling you today, folks. I'm sorry I'm preaching a little Pentecostal today, but I'm excited about what God's doing. God wants to take your mistakes and your mishaps and all your stuff, and he wants you to put it all around you, and he wants you to come to him and just drop it at his feet, and he'll say, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. You're no longer Simon. You are Cephas now. You're a rock. I believe in you. I trust in you. I want to give you a new name. I want to give you a new authority. I want to give you a new level. I want to give you a new power. God Almighty wants to do that in everybody's life here this year. That's what he wants to do. And so if you go to New York and you see the man from La Mancha, you'll hear the song to dream the impossible dream, to fight the invisible foe. You'll hear it. But we sometimes forget that the first impossible dreamer was God when he created humanity. And he sees what we are and yet he insists on calling us another name. And God dares to dream the impossible dream for us. We often talk about believing in God and forget that God also believes in us. So here's what I'm saying. Could God love me after all I've done, Pastor? Even when he sees me who I really am, could it be that my life could be different? Is it possible that the Bible is for real when it says, Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Can I tell you, you don't get good to get God? Oh, somebody ought to let me preach right now. You don't, you can't get good enough to get him. But what you have to do is fall at his feet and say, Lord, rename me today. Give me a new name to start 2014. Give me a new name. Give me to a, take me to another level. Take me to a place that I've never been before. Take me to your place. Take me to your healing place. Take me to your salvation place. Take me to that place that I know without a shadow of a doubt that you have changed my heart from the inside. John 15 and 15, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. He calls us by a new name while we're calling ourselves failures he's calling us friends while we're calling ourselves losers he's calling us my beloved while we're calling ourselves sinners he's calling us saints could it be that God has given us a new chance a new lease on life a new name no matter how many times or how miserably we have failed because God loves new things and he loves giving new names amen how many of you would like to become a praiser in 2014 come on Lift your hands all over the house. A praiser. How many of you like to? How many of you like to like to have a prayer life in your life? Come on, a prayer life that you could go to a closet and you wouldn't feel ashamed of getting down on your knees and praying to God. How many of you would like to have a just a fantastic church life in 2014? Amen. Come on, come on. How many of you would like to have? Come on, just a, a great spiritual life. Come on. It's all right to say that. It's okay. I declare it in the name of the Lord. I declare it in the name of the Lord. I declare it in the name of the Lord. What you ask for, you shall have. What you ask him for, you shall have in the name of the Lord because he already wants to give you a new name today. He wants to give you a new name today. And I close with this. God's new name for us means a new beginning. God's new name for us means a new beginning. I mean like a new beginning. Sounds unbelievable. Seems unbelievable when God changed Abram's name to Abraham and he changed Sarai's name, S-A-R-A-I, to Sarah. Before, before Abe and Sarai ever had a child, he made a covenant with God and God changed his name. Hallelujah. From a man from the Ur of the Chaldees to the father of multitudes and his wife couldn't even conceive amen his wife couldn't even conceive let's let him let's let him get out of here and I'll preach some more amen amen God bless him God bless our people everybody say pastor could God really give me a business this year could, Rod, could God really bless my home life this year? Could God really give us a family like I dream of a family this year? Listen, if he called Abram, Abraham, before he ever had a kid, called him the father of multitude, and called Sarah, Sarah, which means princess, I'm telling you, God can speak to anybody in this house. He can speak to anybody in this house. I feel a word coming in my heart for this church today. I feel a word coming in my heart for this church today. God's got a word for you today. He really, really does. He really, really does. I'm going to tell you, God can take our failures and make our future. 
God can take a people headed nowhere and let them fulfill his plans in this earth for the world. When people talk about other people, they sometimes say that person will always be that way. People never change. They're hopeless. But God knows better. God knows that he can take an old drunkard and make him a preacher. He can take an old dope addict and make him somebody that's a foreign missionary. He can take somebody that's been living immorally and make them something that's overwhelming, overcoming. And they'll stand up and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. God, don't you tell me what, don't, don't you tell me what God can't do. Don't you tell me what God can't do. God can do anything. A new name means a new beginning. Look at Jacob. Look at Jacob in Genesis, and i got to quit. Lord, I preach quick today, but I preach good. Look at Jacob. Jacob, his name means supplanter. His name means schemer. His name means trickster. His name means swindler. How you like to be called that all your life? Hey, you old trickster. How you doing, baby? You old cheater. How you doing? How you doing? What kind of business are you in? Because I don't want to be in that kind of business because you're a cheater. And I don't want people to think I'm a cheater if I'm in your kind of business. How do you like to be called that all your life? He cheated his brother out of his birthright. He deceived his father. He cheated his father-in-law out of his possessions. He was a cheat. And one day he comes to Peniel. And a man appears and starts wrestling with him. And he says, what is your name? <laughs> and Jacob looked at him and he thought, well, I'm in, a, I'm in a stranglehold here. He's got me in a full Nelson. I might ought to talk. He said, my name is Jacob. I'm a cheater. I'm a swindler. I got some bad stuff in my DNA. And that man wrestling with him said, you'll no longer. Hmm. Now, Jacob hadn't made anything right. He hadn't gone to his brother. He hadn't gone back to his dad. He hadn't gone back to Laban. He hadn't made nothing right. He's just wrestling with the man. And God said, I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you from a swindler, from a cheater, from a liar, from a thief. I'm going to change you to a man that has power with God. You're a prince with God. I'm going to name you Israel. And that's what the whole country is named today. In a wrestling match one day, God changed a man's name from a trickster to a country. Don't tell me that God can't take your little old plans, your little old dreams that you think are never going to come to pass. He can bless you like you ain't never been blessed in all. Oh, somebody. He can bless you this year. He wants to call you by a new name. He wants to call you by a new name. You're a prince. You're not a thief. <laughs> you, know, you know, an old boy was on his way. Get ready, ushers. It's about time for communion. You'll find out, you folks that come to this church, you'll find out I'm a, I'm a stickler for time. I'm very OCD about time. I really, really am. I, I don't want to take advantage of anybody. We'll be out here in a little while. <laughs> that didn't sound right? I'm sorry. We'll be out here at 1230. That's a little while. Our services are between, somebody said I got a football game, yeah. Are they passing the ball now? 
But, but, but let, 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 let me just talk to you just a minute. Let me just talk to you just a minute. I think it's very important to understand this. This man was on his way with letters in his pocket to kill Christians. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Sanhedrin member and he was a mean man. He was a devil. And God knocked him down on the road to Damascus. And he looked up and he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it's hard to kick against the pricks, Saul. You're messed up because you're damaging my kids. You're messing with my kids. I preached a sermon one time, when God gets angry, you better be on the side of the church. Because he knocked that old boy down. And he, he was blind for three days and staggered around in Damascus. He said, I want you to go down to Damascus to a street called Straight, and there's going to be somebody there. Can you imagine being the preacher on the other end? And God saying in a dream to him, Ananias, there's a man I want you to go meet on a street called Straight. His name is Saul. That's a nightmare. He's coming to kill us. He's coming to destroy us. He's destroyed some of my pastor friends' churches. He's coming to destroy me. The man's coming to my town to destroy me. I want you to meet him. And Ananias goes intrepidly, fearful, probably, but with a dream from God. And he walks up to a blind man and he holds out his hand and he says, Brother Saul. He didn't get that. Who would ever call a church killer a brother? But when God's in the equation, when God's in the equation, when God's in the equation, people become brothers right now. Hey, you're not going to hang around here long and not, not become what God wants you to become. Okay, I got a word for you. You ready for it? Here it comes. God told me to tell you, this is your year to overcome. I, I bless you in the name of the Lord with a word called overcomer. <laughs> Hallelujah. The thing that used to put you under, now you're going to walk right over. He said, I have put everything under my feet, and if I belong to him, I can put everything under my feet. I'm not going to let things that defeated me in 2013 defeat me in 2014. I'm going to walk straight. I'm going to lift up my hands. I will be an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Come on, worship him right now. I call this church an overcoming church. You will be. You will be. You will be. Everybody said God loves doing a new thing. He loves giving us a new name. And that new name means new possibilities, new opportunities. Isn't that awesome? So if I call you brother and you hadn't been saved yet, I just see the good in you.
And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.